This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihue from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is episode 67 of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. We are back again this week on the heels of what was quite a show, episode 66. If you haven't listened to it already, it was our interview with a Zillow executive and a realtor that is actually a part of their instant offer program. So this is our first episode back since then. Steve, my co-host, welcome. Welcome, Tucker. Have you had any hate mail because of that episode? (laughs) You know, I haven't personally. I, you know, it's it's interesting. I've got a different perspective on it, but I'm sure that you had a few people chiming in your ear. I really haven't. I really haven't. To okay. Be well, that's you. good. No, surprisingly, I mean, it's it's funny. It's such a polarizing topic, and we kind of mentioned it off the air, but it it does remind you of like a little bit, almost politics, a little bit. How, you know, each side says their stance, and it's like. What one says does not register with the other, and they say the exact same thing. Like, no, but this is why this is a problem. And you're like, I just said that. And both sides say that, to be fair. It's almost like one's talking Chinese, one's talking English, and they're trying to hash like things the, out. Uh, the political arena for real estate is what it's yeah, turned into. It, you know? it's, Everybody's it's talking a, at each other and not listening to each other, I yeah, think. But, uh, yeah, it's a it's, polarizing topic. I mean, since we did that episode... There was another post to the master's group where somebody had a petition to sign saying, you know, let's let's stop Zillow from getting MLS feeds. And it was, you know, there was and then there was like a frenzy of comments about how Zillow is the Antichrist and also yeah, I saw one guy was trying to get everybody to pledge to never give Zillow any money for marketing again. And if we shut off the marketing money, they'll have to listen kind of thing. And, you know, yeah, yeah. I just think so, if those people put half as much energy into their business, they'd be all right. I know, I know. <laughs> and and I guess what we tried to say on this show is you're not going to change this stuff. You're not going to – technology is going to evolve things. And regardless of how much effort and attention into it, you are not going to – thwart that you know it's kind of like I, I i you said this on that show i mean if if a bunch of cab drivers all stood together in a room in 2008 and said we're gonna we're gonna take out uber i don't care what extreme measure they went to i mean lyft would have come out it's kind of the same thing with a subject like this i mean it's the technology is changing consumers are being empowered with knowledge and information that is changing the landscape of real estate if as realtors, you still want to be the gatekeeper of all knowledge and all searches and all of that information, you're going to just find yourself left behind and you're going to be playing whack-a-mole trying to change that because it is it is changing. And Zillow is is a, a, you know, a big part of that, but if they don't do it, someone else is going to do it. I agree. I mean, we're against for some big changes in the next five to 10 years for sure. Who knows? Maybe sooner depends on how quickly technology grabs hold, but you know, you just, you have to kind of change with times. I I agreed with your stance. I don't think realtors are going away anytime soon, 
but you know maybe the information that you provide and the service you provide changes slightly right based on what's out there technology wise so we'll see but yeah there's a lot of people that are they're digging in man they're it's like a tug of war and they're they're not giving an inch on that rope you know yeah yeah it's amazing it's amazing yeah. But beyond that, we're back this week. Got a market action report that came out. We can talk a little bit about that. We've obviously got probably a bunch of war stories of our own being in the trenches over the past few weeks that we could probably talk about as well. So maybe kick it off. What's been going on with you? Gosh, there's a ton going on. We haven't talked about ourselves in a little while because we've had some great episodes and some great shows and with some good guests. And so I'll kind of chat for a little bit here. But you know, as an agent, as a broker, I've got a couple interesting transactions going on. I I am actually representing a seller who's selling a piece of land to the city of Portland. It's right off of Taylor's Ferry. It actually is a Taylor's Ferry address. So when you take the Taylor's Ferry exit off of I-5, you know, just north of Cruise Way there and Haines Street exit, Capitol Highway, I think as well, it's north of there, just off there. The city is going to make it into a park. I'm not sure if they're going to keep the entire property as a park. It sounds like from what we're hearing, they're going to maybe splice off the house that is there, which is kind of a junker house anyway, and take that and maybe resell that. But they want a big chunk of it to be a park. So that's been kind of interesting, the process that goes there. You know, the city of Portland has licensed agents that work for them. Did you know that? I did not. He's not taking a commission. It's kind of a long story. Basically... Our client was somehow they were talking to the city of Portland already when they got a letter. Here's how it kind of went down. We were talking to the client. We're getting ready to list their house. They get a letter from city of Portland. We don't have them in a listing contract, so they get pretty excited about that. We kind of let that play out. Ultimately, it got a little bit complicated. They came back to us and they basically we negotiated a flat amount like 1% if the city of Portland buys it, but we'll also put it on the market to see what else is out there. We ended up putting it on the market and the best the best offer and the best buyer was the city of Portland. So we're working that deal. But what was interesting is in my listing contract, I said, we'll, do, we'll charge you 1% to represent you if the buyer's the city of Portland, plus any commissions they charge, their agent charges, because they, they had told us they have an agent. Well, sure enough, their agent isn't charging anything. He must be on some kind of salary with the city of Portland or some kind of payroll. So That seems um, so odd that somebody would be retained by the city of Portland as a licensed agent. But they have, got, they have to hang their license somewhere, right? So I can't imagine the city of Portland has its own brokerage set up for a single random agent just to be kind of hovering and interject where you know eminent domain plays a role or whether or not they're interested in actually purchasing property for other reasons. Or maybe they do. Yeah, I'll have to double check, Tucker. I'm My co-list is, is working on this one a little bit more than me. I need to double check where that license is hung. I'll do that at some point on this show while, while you're talking. I'll, I'll look okay. on my spreadsheet Yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud here because it's a strange yeah, scenario. Yeah. yeah, it is interesting. And so the other thing, so it seems like we're past most of the hurdles on this. They do have to put it as a formality before city council. And so that should be happening here in the next month or so, and then it'll be closing. So that's one interesting thing we have going on. I've just been blowing up with listings. I have no complaints there. I mean, it's felt like recently, and I think some of this is seasonality, just that time of year, you know, June, May. We've just had, it's felt like two listing leads per day coming in. Obviously, not every one of those, you know, ends up going all the way, but 
one of the things that we've been doing on my team that has been working so well, and, and actually it's it's a it's kind of a PPG thing. We've rolled it out to all of our agents. Is we've been on our listings on the good ones where we want more listings around there. We've been turning on an automated process through PPG's marketing platform, which I know I've talked about in the past here on the podcast. But now we can send out. I usually do 500 postcards, but there's the option on the platform to do anywhere from, you know, really from 100 to 1,000. And what it does is it sends an, it's an automated process so that our backend marketing staff gets status changes from the MLS. So when the status changes from active to pending and then to sold, they get an email. So they it triggers them to use the photos and description they already have to generate a just listed a pending and a sold postcard and automatically send me the proof. I approve it. They upload and send out. And it's all automated. It's all built through the company. Other agents can even defer payment on it. But anyways, so I've just been, what's been really powerful is we all know that it's great when you have a good listing and you're doing some, some cool marketing to let the neighbors know, hey, I have this listing. Here's what we're doing. And hey, it's pending sale. We're having success just down the road from you. And hey, it just sold. We had Here's some some of the reasons why we have that success. We all know we should do that, but but the problem is you get busy with your business. Everybody does, and you don't do the things that would get you more business, even though you know you should. So by having it automated, it's just been huge. It's been powerful, and I've I've been getting a lot of listings off this. And I know you you're a believer in direct mail, Tucker. I've known that about you for a long time, so you get it. Sure. To have something like that just automated. Hey, I'm I'm do, I'm working on this listing, and automatically, boom, just listed. Pending and sold postcards are going out to 500 homes around it is really, really cool. It's also been a a huge thing that's helped us get a lot more listings recently. You know, I think a lot of people, with especially with the technology talk that we've had lately, right? They're thinking, the hell do I need to send direct mail for? You know, there's the internet, there's all these platforms, there's this and that. But it truly is an amazing tool to generate leads. I am curious, though, if you know offhand, and you may not, which one in that sequence seems to generate the most leads. Is it the sold or is it depending or is it that, hey, we're putting this one active because I will always be curious about that part of it. It's a great question. And I don't know that I have fully enough data. It's, it's probably a little bit all over the place. The just listed we use through CoreFact. I've talked a little bit about them in the past. They are a company out of California that we partner with. And basically on that postcard, they put a unique website and code specific to that postcard, which went to that house that says log in onto this website that we created for you that will is specific to your house and neighborhood that will tell you your home's value, okay? They then use the code that's on that card to log in. Well, then Corefact knows that that homeowner logged in, and so they send you an email saying, hey, this guy at 123 Main Street is interested in his home value. Reach out to him. We then have phone numbers that we're able to use that are associated with that house so that we can call them. So that part's cool on the just listed. So so on the just listed, we're making some phone calls. And I have had success with that where I got a live seller on the phone. He, I mean, he wasn't a seller yet, but somebody interested in selling. And we're actually pending sale on his property now. The pending and the sold are different in that they don't have that per se. But what they do have is, hey, here are the here's what we did to market this home in your vicinity that is now successfully either in escrow or closed. Then it has links to the videos and the 3D technology that we do. And it talks a little bit about some of the other marketing we do. So part of it too, Tucker, is I think the repetition of it. I think mm-hmm. that having three touches is 
part of it. It's a huge part of it. One person that did a you know presentation once, I always liked what they said. They said, if you're going to do any one thing when you farm, don't do it, <laughs> which was which is a way of saying you got to repeat. You got to drip people. If you just do one thing, it may not work. So I think having them see three touches from you that just listed the pinning and the sold, I think in compilation is a big part of the success that comes from that. And what else is cool about it too, Tucker, is it works nicely with some of the other marketing we do there in the vicinity because we're doing, we put a bunch of directionals out all around the property on all the major thoroughfares, on all the in streets. Obviously, we have the sign in front of the house. We're doing open houses with signage. So it all kind of talks together and works together in, to create this presence right there around a listing that is hopefully successful. I mean, you're trying to choose the ones that you think our good listings are going to ha- look good, are going to also present well and, and be successful. So you're really canvassing an area through a variety of other ways. And by the way, I have Zillow in those areas too, usually. And so I'm also online. I am also, my technology, the technology component is working with it. And that's kind of what what I'm trying to create is this, you know, those those people in that area around that listing are seeing me everywhere. They're If they're on Zillow, they're seeing me on a lot of those searches as well. So they're kind of just going to go, okay, this guy seems to be doing a lot in my area. And, you know, I, I got to reach out to him. I got a slick tip for you and everybody else who's listening. <laughs> I like slick tips. If you really want to be the man, and this is something that we do, you can IP target people, which means you can do it based on address. So everybody that's around one of your listings, you can be all up in their internet feed whenever they're online, which is pretty cool. They can tie that to IP addresses, huh? Yep. And it's cheap, 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 cheap to do. So we do it all the time, but it helps with building that presence. Kind of like So um, when they're on Google and they're searching around, they'll see some target ads for you. And you know what else is really cool? Just within a quarter mile of that listing or half mile. Yeah, it's it's relatively cheap. As big or as small of an area as you want to make it. And then you can also, your $100 million man, broker, I'm sure knows all about this and he does it quite frequently. Yeah, he does. He also is a Facebook maverick when it comes to marketing. And you can actually pull everybody in that area as well, upload them into Facebook, and you can run custom ads to all those people in Facebook that live around your listing as well. So. There's all kinds of stuff you can do that's pretty cost effective and, you know, it just goes to further build the brand or the, you know, you're trying to saturate an area to build some yeah. brand equity because, yeah. you know, that's what I think a lot of people were scared of with the the Zillow thing, right? Is that Zillow's got this big brand and you're either in or you're out with Zillow, but there's a lot of tools and other things that you can do to really build your own brand equity regardless of what Zillow does. And so those are just some of the things we do. Yeah. And sellers like that. They eat it up. I. I mean, when sellers want the guy or gal who's selling successfully a home down the street from them, I've gone to listing appointments where I'm competing again, you know, well, you're safe, right? It's like if you're going to go on a date, right? And you get set up, somebody sets you up with somebody, or let's say specifically if you're a girl, right? Like I know this guy, he's safe, right? I can go on a date with him, right? Well, you're the the safe realtor, right? He's safe. He's doing his job. So of course people are going to be more apt to want to meet with you, talk to you about selling their house. I mean, it just makes sense, right? You're safe because you clearly, A, somebody else trusted you and it worked out for them. B, you clearly understand the area, know it at least once, you know, at least one time in the recent past, you've sold a house there. And it's a fairly recent, and it's probably the most recent and current comp. 
so I love to leverage that. I love to leverage that. I've gone on listing appointments where I was competing against that. And, you know, I, I, I make my run at it, but it's, geez, I sometimes lose to that. And I lose to that because, and I'll say, well, you know, great marketing doesn't have boundaries and it doesn't, you know, stop at a zip code or at a neighborhood. I, I have great marketing and, you know, wherever we take it, that's what we're going to do is promote you the best online out there. But they'll be like, yeah, but this guy, you know, he's down the street and he just sold a house and he knows the area and he knows the school system. So I want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that has great marketing and is that guy. And the best way to do that is when you have a listing, leverage the heck out of it. Make that listing have babies. That's, yeah. what, I, <laughs> that's what I always <laughs> joke about. I want every one of my listings to have babies. They're around it, especially in the great areas. So get that's that, what... Get- no birth control for that listing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. That's my focus for my personal business and also our other agents. I'm rolling it out as it works for me. I roll it out to some of the other agents in our company through the marketing platform. But moving on, let's see, a couple other things. I've got a couple different clients I'm working with who are going through divorces. That's always an interesting dynamic. I'm actually of- working with a couple as well. So fortuitous timing, I guess. Yeah, and it's, you know, not obviously not pleasant divorces, I should probably say, you know, where they don't want to be at the same place. One doesn't want a lockbox on the house because they're concerned that the soon to be ex would get a realtor and ask for access and they've changed the locks. And so, you know, that's always an interesting dynamic. And, you know, it, it brings up that dilemma. Do I, you know, do I talk to them separately by email or do I, you know, copy them on each other and, on one of them, we kind of, you know, I, I, we talked it through and I just said, let's just have full transparency. So when I get an offer, I'm going to send it to you both. So nobody's thinking that, you know, there's any other conversations not happening or happening or not happening in that regard. So that's some fun stuff going on. Fortunately, the one I met with, they're amicable and they actually met with me together. So I guess I got the easy divorce situation. You do, you <laughs> do have divorce. Yeah. I've had those. I've had those. But but right now I've, I've got a couple of the not so the not so pleasant ones. Tucker, I meant to ask you a question and I skipped over. When you're doing that targeting, when are you doing it? Around a house you're building? So we just like you like to have listings and the listings have babies, right? We target areas that we like to have projects and I like those projects to have babies. So, you know, any area that we have had or want to continue to have projects, those would be our farm areas. So, but we're multiple, you know, we're layered as well, just like you, right? We do a lot of direct mail. We do, you know, Facebook marketing, we do IP targeting, we do email marketing, we do all kinds of things. So, but we kind of layer in our marketing to to build as much awareness about us as we can and also to be that safe guy, right? Because we've got other projects in these areas. So we want to be the safe builder, renovator, whatever that's, you know, obviously legitimized through the fact that we've got other projects in the area. Yeah, absolutely. So another thing I was going to chat about on here today, I was watching the Golf Channel the other day and I there was an interesting segment. It was on Dustin Johnson. I don't know. Do you know much about him? Are you do you follow golf much, Tucker? Yeah, I, I do, but I, I probably don't know nearly as much as you do, so I'll let you go with it. He's a long ball hitter. He's, I think, on the PGA Tour, I think he hits probably the, the longest ball of all of them. He's also, interestingly, married to Wayne Gretzky's daughter. That would be um, interesting, yeah. Yeah, but anyways, it was talking, you know, he's he's had his ups and downs in his career, and it sounds like he's on a good trajectory. And, you know, I was I was kind of watching this interview, and they were talking about, you know, some of the things he's done that have helped him in recent past. I mean, he's like, like I said, he's had lots of 
ups and downs, and, and, and a lot of those were downs, obviously. Was uh, quitting drinking one of them? <laughs> <laughs> it might have been. Yeah. It said personal challenges. I think he even quit for a little while for some personal stuff. Who knows what that was about? But one thing it said that I thought related so well, and I, like I, I took it, like related it so well to what we do, was that he said, they were interviewing him, they said, you know, he said, one thing that has helped me recently is when I have a bad shot, I quickly forget about it. And, you know, we all golf enough to know that we have a lot of bad shots, but you, you sometimes forget even the, the greats, even the pros, they're going to have a wayward shot. They're going to have one that, that shanks, goes the wrong direction. And it's so key for them is what he was saying is when you have that happen to quickly assess it, analyze it, what could I have done better, and then put it out of your mind. And how I related that is losing listings. That was my big thing is, you know, we all do. We all lose listings, some better than others, meaning some some listings are better than others, but some some agents are better and some are worse at how they cope with that. And it's definitely something I try to work on. And and I took his his little nugget as a good takeaway. Like, I mean, just it's just so valuable when you have somebody, you're talking to them, you're saying all the right things, you think it's going well, and then they choose to go with someone else. You just got to quickly analyze it. What could I have done better? Is there anything? Sometimes there's nothing, and that's okay too. And and then just put it out of your mind so that as you approach the next person, it's not lingering, it's not festering, and you give yourself the best six chance of success with that next person. Just like a golfer. I mean, the last thing you want to be doing as you're addressing a ball is be thinking about the shank you just hit because guess what that's going to lead to? <laughs> yeah, I usually so, shank again when I do that. So, yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was a cool little segment there that I wanted to share with our listeners. And then I've got another one. I was going to run this by you, Tucker. I've got a dividable lot. It's 0.41 acres over in... Over in a good part of close in, you know, west side, you know, down just just past the tunnels, a little a little south of 26 over there, sort of off Canyon Road. Just to put you on the spot here because we haven't even talked about this, but I'm I'm curious what how you would talk this through. So I go to this property. It's a 1920s home. The home is nothing special at all, but it's on a monster lot. And it's surrounded by very, very nice homes, okay? Probably $700,000 homes all around it. It's at the end of a flag lot. There behind the home is just a monstrous piece of property, okay? It's 0.41 acres. The existing house is at the very front of the property. So when you're there, there's no doubt in your mind that if this is dividable, you could smack a huge house back there, and there's plenty of other great houses behind it. And around it. My question to you is this. I mean, we determined it's dividable, but the current house is on septic. And so what one of the things we found is that in order to divide it, you would have to put the existing house on on, on city sewer and you'd have to put the new house on, on city sewer. I think they said it was like 100 feet to run it all the way there from the from the other house. I mean, just off the top of your head, I, I just again, I'm not going to hold you to anything you say. And I'll tell you what our approach is here and what we're kind of thinking. But do you think that makes sense at all? Or is this just a, does this quickly fall into a, you know, you, you really don't have a, a great situation there? 
I don't think it's a bad situation, but it's a it's a potential costly situation. We've had to do this, and I actually just so the divorce situation that I'm looking at, the people that I'm talking to, I actually talked to them four years ago. I looked at our original lead sheet, and they were still married back then. But before then, it's in a part of Lake Oswego that is all septic around it, but it's right on the edge of where city sewer butted up to, and so they, within the last couple of years, put sewer in so that their lot could be divided right? Like it was dividable before, but if you didn't put it on sewer, you couldn't divide it because there isn't enough room for septic fields on the lots that you could create from the zoning, right? Yeah. So in this particular case, if the city main, like the septic main is a hundred feet away, I'm assuming that it runs down that, that easement road, right? Yeah. Like it, it, yep. or it ends at the top of that or something. Yeah. The house that that's built in front of it. Which yeah. Is a nice so, house. Yeah. My guess is that they would make you extend the main. Yeah. It's going to be costly. You know, we did about a 50 foot extension cost about $42,000 in middle of first edition in Lake Oswego. These people did about a hundred and I don't know, 20, 130 foot extension cost about a hundred grand. So, cause you're cut now it varies, but it's a costly adventure. It takes You've got to either get bonding or you've got to put up money with the city. It can be a real challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not to say that it can't be done, but again, you got to look at property values and what can be created with the end product that you're, you know, you're doing or you're trying to create. Is is the, what's your formula you use when you, let's just say the lot is worth, could be worth 150, right? Is there a formula with regards to how much you spend on that septic and sewer in relation to the price of the lot or is it in relation to the price of the finished house? I don't think there's necessarily a formula for a one-off situation like this. I think that obviously the more expensive the area, the more it makes sense. So that's mm-hmm. the for- that's the formula, really. I, you know, I think that in this case, if it put four one acres really is one lot, I mean, could it could it be split into two or could it be split into two without being goofy? then now your you know your dollar cost averaging the extension over two lots makes it a lot more feasible in terms of is it worth doing to then sell two lots to a builder or somebody to oh. you know get your profit out of it and make a few more bucks or get meaning your money meaning out. a teardown because I hadn't right. even really thought about that meaning tear down the existing house because I mean the existing house is okay it's, it's sellable I, I didn't mean to convey it's not sellable well, I mean, but if it's, it's on average, a bigger yeah. lot like that yeah. and it's surrounded by nicer homes based on yeah. what you're telling me that house has exceeded its life expectancy in terms of yeah. the value of the dirt and the other challenges so I think in this case based on the amount of run that you have that you've got to you know potentially extend the sewer main the more lots you can break that up into and build on without it being funky, the better the likelihood of being able to do something with that property and not just having to sell it as one marginally crappy 1920s house on a bigger yeah. lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's one we're kind of, we're noodling around trying to figure out. I mean, we've done some research and I, I don't know, we'll chat off the air a little bit more about that one, but yeah, I thought I'd throw that at you just to see your take on that. And couple of last things I'll talk about on the PPG side of things. We recently were just at an event, uh, Portland Business Journal. I think we talked about this last year, maybe even the year before, but we were the 45th out of 100 fastest growing companies in Oregon. That's the third year in a row that we're in the top 50. Every year we're a little bit higher. We talked about this maybe last year. because it, It's hard to the, do back to back. I know that. We talked about that because you got to. Yeah, well. Oh. 
same pace or more than the yeah because you're getting bigger you're getting bigger i mean you know you're competing against companies that have 10 guys in there now you know one year and the next year they have 100 guys right and the revenue goes from you know ten thousand dollars to a hundred thousand dollars i mean obviously i'm using small numbers but to get just to put it into perspective so as you get bigger the those revolutions get harder to to be as large but we're still excited. We're growing quickly, and, and it's cool to be honored by a reputable business organization like the Portland Business Journal. Just out of curiosity at the celebration, who was number one this year? Do you remember? The one through 10 is nobody, the, nobody you've ever heard of. That's really? my point. It's always, oh. it's always startups. Yeah, startups, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, there's startups that probably weren't in, in existence two, three years ago. You do recognize some of the other names as you get a little bit higher up in the rankings. Yeah. And that's just the nature of it. In fact, I'm, I'm going to just tell you right now. I mean, we were kind of joking about it. I mean, I think we'll make the list again next year and maybe one more year and then we'll, we won't be in the top hundred anymore because we were joking. Yeah. We'll go from like 2000 to 3000 agents at some future point. We'll be like, darn, we only grew 50% instead of, you know, three, <laughs> 300%. But, and it won't be that things aren't going well. It'll just be, you know, that, you've gotten to such a, a magnitude that it's hard to have those same revolutions and, and trajectories. But anyways, I was in Bend earlier this week. That is going really, really well. We've actually got 35 agents there. Really, really cool. The office is fully opened up. We actually got an adjoining suite now. So we've got about 6,000 square feet there. Beautiful office space downtown with a little view of the river and a great little Mexican restaurant next door really excited agents. It's really cool to go there. I played pronghorn twice. I played the private side and the public side. Wow. That's one of the perks of going to Bend and working most of the day. And then this time of year where it doesn't get dark until about 930. And then last thing I'll just say is we're working on our new website. I'm so excited to get this going and released. It's almost done. I think Gosh, 30 days, I'll have it live, and we're really excited about it. Our old site, which I had nothing to do with creating, by the way, it's been around since before me, it's time for it to go, and in with the new and out with the old, so excited with that. How about you, Tucker? What's going on in your world? You know, we've had a lot going on. I'll burn through it real quick so we can get to the market action stuff, but, you know, we've got a project about to come live in, let's see, kind of inner southeast, southeast 64th. It's going to be entry level housing, so it's battle axe price point two seventy nine, totally redone house. So two seventy nine, yeah, and that's, detached, you know, yeah, detached, two bedroom, one bath. But you know that's two one pricing these days, and so it'll be totally redone, and it'll probably be bananas when it hits the market here. In a How week many or so. square feet? How many square feet is it? Uh, lower. It's under eight hundred square feet, but uh. you know it's. That's huh. that's what you get these days. So how far out? I mean, what what are the cross streets? Is are you past eighty second? Uh, about sixty fourth and Dukeish. Wow. Oh, yeah. That so. just seems low. That's I, I know that's I know that is a small house, but man, to be under three hundred, well under three hundred. Yeah. I mean, it you know it may get bit up, but it, especially you know, with your finishes. I mean, you're doing a decent. Yeah. I mean, it worked. I mean. It's not the Taj Mahal, but I mean, it's it's a it's a hell of a nice house for two seventy nine. You know. Yeah, yeah. You'll go up. Yeah, it should go pretty quick. We've got a, a really cool remodel. We're doing kind of a, a few remodels right now too, in addition to all of our build stuff. But we're doing another really cool remodel over off Robin Road in Milwaukee, which is right above Oatfield, which is a really nice little neighborhood up there. And it's a cool ranch. It's just under two thousand square feet, so it's a big ranch, and it's on a big corner lot. 
and that one's coming together. We pretty much bought it as a shell. It's sitting forever. So we actually kind of reconfigured everything. We're putting it all back together. But that one's actually going to turn out really nice. It'll be hopefully market ready in about a month, something like that. Then we're also, we've broken ground on my own new house, which is kind of cool, which is right down the street from my current house. But that'll be neat to get that thing wrapped up. But more importantly, we're actually going to be breaking ground on our Dunthorpe property here very, very soon. So it's right off Iron Mountain. It's just under an acre and a half right on Iron Mountain. So it's going to be an amazing property. We're going to rebuild our Street of Dreams home. And we finally got to a building permit with the city of Portland. It's been a hell of a journey dealing with them and all of their hoo-ha. But we're there and I think we're going to break ground here within the next month. So pretty excited about that. You've been on this one for a couple of years, haven't you, Tucker? Yeah. So the big challenge there was number one, the neighbor was a giant pain in my, you know what? So we had to re-engineer a lot of stuff because they were just complaining about potential runoff and turns out it wasn't an issue. It was just their way of trying to stall our project from happening. But the city had to at least try and give it some merit. So we, we went through all that. And then they also had a very interesting deed restriction that they're trying to put on us in order to issue us a building permit. So they're basically holding us captive. They won't give us a building permit unless we put a deed restriction on the property. And the deed restriction basically says that we'll pay whatever they feel our fair share is if there's ever road improvements that get done. So I've been having to battle with them for the last six months with our attorney to say, hey, you can't just put a open-ended checkbook deed restriction on a property. It makes it a little difficult to sell. In addition, they were going to calc it based on road frontage. Well, along that road, just about every lot has a flag lot behind it. So they were going to let everybody that, that uses that road but has a flag lot off the hook on costs. And so we had to explain to them that that's probably not the most intelligent way to break up costs. And after many, many, many conversations, it finally sunk in with the powers that be. And they thought, oh, yeah, maybe we should do it on proposed trips on the road and not road frontage of the property because of the streets, you know, the way the streets set up. Hmm. we finally got through to them and so now i'm okay with the deed restriction but at least it'll be fair if they ever decide to do road improvements which i doubt they will but you can imagine selling a three million dollar home with an open checkbook deed restriction might be a little challenging especially if you have a lot of road frontage yeah yeah you just run the whole spectrum don't you tucker Two hundred seventy-nine thousand dollars houses to three million dollar houses and everything in between right well <laughs> you know it goes to our market action report we kind of we hedge you know we hedge there's a lot of guys that are in the game these days i remember back in 2010 when we were doing a lot of houses there weren't a lot of guys in the game you know yeah. the reason being is because we we like to think we're a little smarter than the next guy maybe not a lot but a little bit you know i like to hedge our bets i like to do things you know, we go big on some of our projects for sure, bigger than a lot of guys are comfortable venturing into. But we also do some lower end stuff to kind of even things out and even out the risk and, you know, market timing and all that. And, you know, we know the low end stuff. I mean, it sells so easy. It's like, well, yeah. why would we not do it? And and honestly, we were set up as a, you know, renovation company first and new construction second. We started doing new construction in 2010. So we can do both. Most guys are set up to do one thing and that's all they know. That's all they do. And that's the only way they look at a property, right? So like mm. the one that we're putting on the market in Southeast for 279 any other builder would have bought it, nuked the house and built a house and tried to sell it for 499 And they probably mm. would have sold it. But for me, it's like, well, you know, we'll still do pretty well on it. We can get in and out of it a lot quicker and we can give Portland what everybody seems to really want, which is affordable housing, right? So yeah. it yeah. just gives us yeah. the, lee the leeway to be able to do things yeah. that that I think the market really wants at times. So, you know, that's why we do it. 
Yeah, you know, you're definitely diversified. Hey, on your own house that you're going to be building, what are you changing? What's gonna? What's the benefit to you to have a new house? Is it going to be bigger? Are you going to have better views, a better lot? You know, there's a lot of tax-free money on the table. That's sure, a big sure. thing, right? You know, we built in an area that I knew was going to blow up, right? In a good way, right? Like yeah, prices, upper, upper desirability. Drive, right? Yeah, so we bought the lot that I live in now a while ago. And we kind of set the table for what everybody and their mother now wants, which is, you know, to build houses in that area. And so it's a good thing because it's pushed prices up. So, of course, you know, it'll be a good win for us and we'll be able to move. But the lot's set up a little differently. So it's a it's a deeper lot, which allows us to, number one, have a pool, right? Oh, nice. So that's the first thing. Number two is we've got a, a detached garage, but I'm also able to have an indoor half basketball court. So we've got a little training facility for my kids and big smooths kids. So, you know, nice. 2032 ish, nice. we'll have, you know, a, a hell of a state championship team here. We'll see. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or at least that's a joke anyway. But so there's just a few things that are, that are different. You know, I, I wanted to add a few things that uh, like the pool and that, and basically I can either stay in my house now and the equity just sits there or I can cash it in and just roll it over and pays for everything I ever wanted. So yeah help you know yeah no that those are some compelling reasons i love having a swimming pool i had one for about 12 years here in my last house and it's it's not just i mean they're they're great you have music barbecues you enjoy the the three months of (laughs) crazy great weather we get when we get it finally but it's not today by the way but um it's not (laughs) (laughs) even though i think sunday is going to be better but they're also beyond using them and, and the fun in the backyard and, and, you know, and having heated water that's clean versus, you know, a river or lake, which th- there's plenty of pluses to those too. Don't get me wrong. It's also the, a great backdrop. They look so great from the house. You've got all these beautiful windows and at night, day or night, it looks good. Unlike a river or a lake, though, swimming pools at night can look spectacular. You have all the lights going on it and the glowing blue. It's really cool. So you'll love that. That's awesome. Yeah, it'll be cool. And, you know, I got two kiddos now and they'll love it, too. And, you know, it'll be it'll be fun. I think this will be the forever spot or at least, you know, longer than the last one. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see. But it's a great lot. And I don't think we can do better as far as lot and location. And so we'll, I'm sure we'll be there for a while. But. That's pretty much what's what's been going on with me. Let's maybe we should hit on this market action thing quickly since that was the point of the show <laughs> originally. Yeah. So I got the market action report. Not a whole lot has changed really, which is, you know, a few things here and there. Inventory levels dropped to one point five months from one point seven. So we're still I mean, we've been in the ones. The most we've gotten up to is two months of inventory. First time was November 2015. We hit it a couple times last year. But other than that, we've been in the ones since March of 2015, which is just crazy to think about. But it's like it pinballs. It goes up a couple tenths of a percentage point, and then it goes down. Then it goes up, and then it goes down. And so what do you think? Yeah, things are still a little bananas here. I mean, we are we're really, really busy with a lot of new stuff coming in. And I have to say most of my stuff is moving pretty quickly unless there's an issue and it's a challenging property. So personally, I'm not, it just feels like more of the same to me. I've heard a couple of other people mention, you know, seeing a few more price drops and and a little bit more quiet, but I have to say, I haven't seen it. One thing, I read an article recently on CNBC 
that was talking about the rate of percentage increase year over year nationally has kind of slowed down. They were saying, I think nationally it had been going, prices had been going up around six, seven percent. And all of a sudden now it's like around five percent. And so it's kind of ticking slower. I believe I'm seeing that here as well. I did not go back to past ones, but I do think in past ones, we were year over year around 11, north of 11 percent growth year over year in price. This one shows 10.7. So it'll be interesting to watch that. The article I read about the national real estate market was just saying, you know, if prices were just kind of hitting that point where there a lot of buyers were getting priced out of the market and, you know, it it can only go up so long. So it'll it'll be interesting to kind of see if an element of that is is coming into play. I will say today is quiet. Today is, you know, the 16th of June, and I predict that that will continue for at least another week or two because of this the time of year. We noticed this last year, and it kind of it kind of almost borderline spooked me. I was just like, why is my phone not rung as much as usual and why why are there less leads coming in and why but it is kind of a something that happens this time of year as kids are getting out of school vacations are kicking in father's day is coming up graduations are happening so there's a lot of distractions that happen between now and possibly yeah, I mean, and it's not to say that no business will happen but definitely between now and, and maybe even through the fourth of july there's definitely a lot of the newness of summer kicking in and 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 some of those elements. So don't be surprised, listeners, if you if your phone rings just a little bit less for the next couple of weeks. It'll also be interesting to see if the weather issues we had earlier in the year counters that a little bit because so many people weren't able to do what they wanted to do in January and December and February. If maybe we'll feel that a little bit less this year because they're still trying to come back from that and. Um, you know what I you know what I've seen out there. Goals. And I'm curious if you've seen this too. You know how on Zillow there's like the make me move price and most of the time people that fill that out are just high on drugs or something and they're like a <laughs> two hundred thousand dollar house and they want a million dollars for it kind of thing. Yeah. I've noticed there are more realtors taking listings right now that they gotta be on drugs too. Because they're putting these these listings out at prices that, you know, I take just like a half a second glance at it and i'm like what in the hell are they thinking like who talked them into that or did they just not have the balls to tell the person that they were talking to that they're not even on the right planet in terms of what the price is because i've seen a few out there that and there's i mean i guess to their defense there's like that unicorn sale that happens that you know whether it be the agent or the owner sees of another property and they're like oh yeah that one sold for that and my house of course is better and for all these reasons. And so let's take that and multiply it by five and then let's, let's list our house for that. I've seen a lot more of that, which might contribute to your price reduction comment. And it just is probably a, an indicator of where we're at in the market, but you know, things kind of seesaw back and forth, I guess. But man, I've seen a lot of people put some stuff out there that are just at pretty stupid prices. And I think that that probably is going to, you know, the result of that is going to be a lot of price reductions as we move forward into summertime. Yeah, I've I lost a couple listings here recently where I mean I sit there with my potential seller 
And I show them the math. I'm a big believer. I'm not an agent, nor do I encourage any agent to be this agent where you just show up and you go, hey, here's the price of your house circled in red. I mean, you got to show them how you arrived at that. And you, you got to sit there and you got to go through comp after comp and go, okay, here's the location of this one. How does that compare to ours? Okay, here's the photos on this one. Here's the size of this one. Here's the history of this one. How do we compare to that one? Okay, it was priced at X. Okay, now let's go to the next one. And you just do that across 15 different properties, give or take, and you're, they're going to arrive at a number. And I, I mean, I've, I've done that recently. With, and, but sellers, sometimes they just, they just have wishful thinking. And for everyone that has that wishful thinking, there's an agent that's going to tell them what they want to hear and going to say, oh, yeah, despite the comps all being at 400000 I can get you four fifty. So, yeah, I think, I mean, part of that too, Tucker, would be, you know, some of the newer agents possibly that have been licensed. And there's been a lot of them in the last few years. Some of them are desperate and hungry and they just want to, they want some business and, you know, yeah, and I get do I whatever get it takes. I get that completely. Yeah. Some of the ones I'm talking about, I won't call them out individually, but we're not talking like a 400, a 399 house that's listed at 449. We're talking like a, a $1.4 million house that's listed for 3.1 million. Like we're talking, <laughs> you know, we're talking like crazy, oh, ones, right? Like, okay. Yeah. Like yeah. there's one that got listed today that I saw that I won't say where, but it came out at like one six and I've seen this thing progress through and I was thinking this is like a one, 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 two house and they put it out at one six and it's like, well, man, what planet are you guys on? Like, I, I mean, everybody's a special snowflake, right? But like this house to them must be like the most special thing ever. But it's like, that's the kind of stuff that I'm starting to see. And it's like, I think it's, it's greed has grabbed a hold of a lot more people. I think at this point in the market than it did a year ago. And I think that's, going to trigger kind of a seesaw effect like you mentioned earlier where we're going to start to see a lot of price reductions and then people are going to be like oh my god there's a lot of price reductions out there well it's like well if they just price stuff a little more reasonably to start there probably wouldn't be nearly as many oh gosh yeah and that's that's in, in the end that's just the, the the worst formula for for getting the most money is to aim high and and then drop and lose all your momentum lose all your urgency lose all the excitement lose all the positive you know newness to the market as you're trying to get back to the to where you should be. So, yeah, I think that's always been in real estate and I think it'll always be in real estate is that education of sellers that that is not the right way to do it and, and educating them about the, the price and and then, you know, watching them go work with someone else who told them otherwise and then not thinking about that errant ball that, that just got hit and <laughs> going and right. getting the next listing. Right, right. Well, bottom line is market still seems quite a bit of the same i guess on my end sounds like it's kind of that way on your end as well with the exception of a few you know rumblings here and there yeah yeah i was in bend over the weekend or over the week i was kind of doing a presentation that we were doing in all our offices about multiple offers and navigating multiple offers and presenting them and and you know and helping your seller have the best negotiation strategies through a multiple offer situation and they all looked at me and they're like we don't do that many multiple offers I'm not going to say it definitively, but the people in that room on that day, that was Monday afternoon, didn't seem to be having the multiple offers we are. And it seems like perhaps they had in the past. So I don't know if maybe that market's quieting down a little bit. Um, well, it had to happen eventually. So, you know, yeah. maybe it is, but we'll keep our finger on the pulse as you will now yeah. since you guys have an office there as well. So. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, that pretty much, you know, hits the highlights. Days on market are down. Inventory still super low. 
all the other stuff is just kind of minutia really at this point. We'll see how it all shakes out. We had interest rate hikes this, this week. So who knows, maybe next month we'll have something more exciting and groundbreaking on the actual market stuff, but it just seems to be plugging along, you know, about as good as we could hope for really, as long as you price your stuff right. And there isn't any weird, strange functional obsolescence to it. Stuff's still selling. So, yeah, yeah. well, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, sellers. If, I mean, if somebody's in the market to sell their house, you're better to be early before the market changes than after when there's a bunch of inventory that's all rushed to market. So I wouldn't try to time it and I'd get it out there sooner than later. I think the quote that best describes that is pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, right? Yep. So yep. there we go. Cool. Well, I think we covered everything we need to cover this week on episode 67. Unless there's anything else, Steve, maybe we put a bow on this one. Yeah. And hey, and I got a text from Joe. So did you. He's alive and well. Next week's good for masters. So we'll be recording the best of masters sometime next week. I'm not sure if it'll make it out next week, but we're on and that will be our next episode. Well, hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode. We covered a lot of ground and, you know, we'll see you guys next week ish with Mr. Joe and best of masters. We'll see you guys then. Thanks again for listening to our show and make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.